Today we're coming to the end of a series from Ephesians 4 entitled Spiritual Giftedness and the Kingdom of God. I've been focusing on the fact that every one of us is called, whoever you are, wherever you are, your calling is a holy calling. It comes from God. It is so part of you that you were kind of born with it, but it needs to be resurrected and brought to light when you come to Christ to serve him in the kingdom. You are called to be a representative of the kingdom of God wherever you are, in your home, your family, your school, your place of work. You're not called to do it on your own. We are the community of people who've surrendered to the kingdom of God. And we've been talking about how you learn how to recognize and develop your gift and exercise your gift, first of all, within the church, the body of Christ, so that that then can equip the body of Christ to take its stand out there in the world. And so it's not that I want everybody to be like me, to have the gifts that I have, to be preaching and teaching publicly in church services. That can happen. But for the most part, people will be called to serve Jesus in the marketplace. Now, by the word marketplace, I don't just mean, you know, the the marketplace you find on East Enders and all that kind of stuff, or Portobello Market. I mean the world out there, the, the world of society, the marketplace. And the meeting place is the learning place for the marketplace. In fact, the whole purpose of the church is to go out into the marketplace and, and call people to gather to Christ. So the word for market is agora, and the word for church is ecclesia. So Jesus says, go out as my body into the marketplace, agora, and call people to follow me so they'll be discipled as part of the church of Jesus Christ. And we have to go out to do that. It's not just what happens here. In fact, very little of that happens here. When we are gathered together, something else happens. God's Spirit comes. We worship God together. We serve God together in the context of a worship service. We listen to God's Word together. We are trained and instructed together. And we go and take God's Word and put it into practice in the small groups and to prepare us to go out into the world. And so it's not something that can happen apart from sharing together and ministering together in all the different ways in which God calls us to do that. Now, my overall title is Spiritual Giftedness and the Kingdom of God. We've seen how that when you exercise your gift, the kingdom comes. That's what it's all about. When God gave Jesus, the kingdom came. When we received his gift, the kingdom came. And when we give what he's given to us, the kingdom comes through our lives. And therefore, you need to know what your gift is. Know your motivational gift. It's linked to who you are. It is so part of you that it's not totally incorrect to say you were born with it. I mean, Paul says, God separated me from my mother's womb. In other words, God gave Paul a ministry and the calling was within him even even when he was born. He was born for this. And you know what it is to be born for something. When you find out who you are and what God's plan for your life is and you begin to serve God and flourish in his gifts, you find yourself and it's so part of who you are that there is an issue if you never find it. And the church can help you do that. And so when you discover that your gift flows from your identity and you begin to discern what that gift is and you prepare for it and get strengthened for it, then you take your place to be fruitful in the marketplace. Now, if we were to reflect and ask some questions, anybody think of famous Christians? I don't just mean Billy Graham or Her Majesty the Queen. And we know Her Majesty the Queen, she's born again believer. 
She's not just the head of state. She really knows Jesus. Not that I know her, but I know people who do, and she does know Jesus. I'm not just talking about that. Now I'm talking about people like Denzel Washington, though we could. Denzel Washington, a born-again believer, movie star. Um, or you too, the, that wonderful, wonderful band, or maybe less, less known, Mumford and Sons, part of the Vineyard Church, Bob Mumford, or Stephen Green, Baron Green of Hertzsiapon, uh, and very, very famous and rich people. We can go back in history, go back with me to the 1600s, 1650s, and we find the growth of a new movement here in Britain which became known as the Quakers. And the Quakers have been powerfully used by God in their marketplace ministry. And when I just look at some of the uh, companies and, and uh, things that the Quakers have founded, Amnesty International, Barclays Bank, Bryanton May, Cadbury PLC, chocolate and drinks manufacturer, cars, biscuits, all chocolates and biscuits here. Uh, can't, be, can't be so bad. Huntley and Palmer biscuits, uh, uh, Roundtree's, now Roundtree's Macintosh. Uh, uh, that's, not, that's Macintosh Roundtree, not Macintosh, you know, iMac and all that kind of stuff. And uh, Sony, 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 Sony. That's amazing. Founded by a Japanese Quaker. Did you know that? Ah, so, Tokyo, Sony. And, and so many of these things. And you know from the chocolate, why they're so into chocolate, even Fry's chocolate, was because back in the day, they were seeing the ravages of drink and alcohol, and there was no, nothing that people could drink apart from drink, drink. So they invented hot chocolate, and, and that's how it all came about. People affected the marketplace because they knew they weren't just called to the meeting place. In fact, what distinguished the Quakers as they came out and very dissatisfied with the state of Anglicanism of the day. It was after the Civil War, and there were a lot of problems. And um, they said, you know, you know what? We've gone away from the Bible. All you churchy, churchy people, with your hierarchies, with your bishops, and, your, and all this kind of stuff, Jesus comes to us personally. And when you receive Christ in your life, he talks to you personally. He can open your eyes to the Bible. You talk about priesthood. The Bible says we're all priests, 1 Peter 2 verse 9. And they built the whole of their fellowship on this principle. And they understood that was not just separating the priests from the rest of society, the clergy and the laity, the sacred and the secular. They had a vision of God's kingdom penetrating every part of society, uh, helped along by the lovely taste of chocolate, no doubt. But it's not just then. If we fast forward into the 19th, 1900s, um, you've, got, uh, you've got the great evangelical uh, reformers, social reformers, William Wilberforce, who helped abolish slavery, the Earl of Shaftesbury. Uh, there's a monument to him in um, Piccadilly Circus. Uh, Shaftesbury was involved in, in reforming the Factories Act and w working conditions for children and tremendous things because these, these people had a conscience and they said God has given us gifts and they brought change. They're obviously great apostolic leaders, not just about founding churches but reforming society. God may make you such a reformer. And what an amazing thing. Right there in Piccadilly Circus there is a statue uh, 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 and most people think it's the statue of Eros, which is where, the, where we get the word erotic from, the god of physical, sensual love. 
No, no, no. It is mythologically his mythological brother, Antieros, is the god of love and compassion. That's what is being celebrated there. Now, it's taken from classical um, imagery, and we I'd prefer to be to know God, fictional or otherwise. But the fact is, our society, can you imagine Piccadilly Circus built around this monument to a Christian evangelical believer who made a difference? That's the kind of impact we need to make in our world today. So we've got Christians in the marketplace, Christians in politics, Christians in the media, Christians in banking and finance, Christians in education, medicine, sports and business. Every calling is a holy calling. Even our dear brother Tyson Fury. And somebody said, he's here Christian. I heard him swear on television. Hey, pray for him. Don't judge him. You know, a lot of people are frightened of putting their head above the parapet out there because Christians start judging. How can you be a politician and vote for the Green Party? How can you be a politician, a Christian politician, and not vote for the Green Party. We start criticizing, stop criticizing, start praying. Anyway, Tyson Fury, top boxer, I know he's a believer. I've read his testimony. He says, I pray for every opponent I fight. Uh, I like that. What you're about to receive, be truly thankful. Um, uh, or how about this, how about this, the right hand of fellowship, bang. Or, or fivefold ministry under this glove is five... Five hands. So, so Mr. Fury, Tyson named after Mike Tyson, Fury named after his, his, uh, his preaching style. <laughs> and uh, he says, I pray that it would be a good fight and afterwards everyone would be safe and healthy. That's not a bad prayer. And so if you can't pray about it, don't, don't do it. Christians in every domain of society. And this reminds me that God's great business is to put the church to work in the world. That's what it's about. It's not just that we do church work, that's important, but the meeting place where we do church work is the learning place for the marketplace where we're effective for God. So I encourage you to get involved in your profession in the fullest possible way. Every calling is a holy calling, and God's vision is for a mature church, healthy, fully equipped, Christ's body, Doing the work of the church in the world, bringing the kingdom into the world is a very big project. When we stand for Christ as representatives of the kingdom, God's kingdom comes through us. And so God wants you to be part of that. Now, my title today is this You are formed in the church to be functioning in the world. And what I want you to take away with this, with, from this message is this. You are formed in the meeting place to function in the marketplace. You are formed in the meeting place to function in the marketplace. Now, I really believe that what I'm preaching today comes from the Word of God. Study it, get it for yourself. But if we were to get this message and live it, there would be amazing changes in our lives and in our society. The problem is, people out there in the world are not very well formed in the Christian faith. And they're blowing their testimony. I don't want to criticize her. I'd rather be praying for her. But Katy Perry, who's become very, very famous, comes from an evangelical background, her Pentecostal background, her parents are pastors. And uh, she openly states that she's not a Christian. And in the Grammy Award ceremony of January 
2014, she produced a satanic-themed rendition of her number one song. So she is kind of playing to that. And of course, what happens sometimes, and I don't, don't criticize her, please pray for her, because all I know is from, from the media and things, and it's not always accurate, and, and please pray that she comes fully back for God. But what I suspect, ladies and gentlemen, is that somebody like that is thrashed out into the public eye, we're not being sufficiently discipled and strong enough as a believer to take the pressures that come their way, the pressure to conform to the ways of this world. And I can just imagine, I don't know, I don't know, but it's public information here, so I'm not breaching confidence, but what I imagine is that some music director got a hold of her and said, you know, you're great, but the trouble is you look, you look too, too sweet, too nice, let's toughen you up a bit, let's spice it up a bit, and your first song, I Kissed a Girl, that'll go far, and so forget about your Christian principles, you can believe in God, but don't, don't let it affect, I just imagine all that kind of stuff, cruel, hard, mercenary people, music producers. Not all music producers are cruel, hard, and mercenary. Uh, you don't have to be cruel, hard, and mercenary to be music producer. Sometimes it seems it does help, but uh, it's not always the case. And so people are not strong enough to stand. So you've got to be first formed in the church. If you're not formed and strong, you're going to be of no use out there. If you're not discipled for Christ, how can you represent him out there? And how does this happen? It happens in good old Quaker fashion, not just because we have some ordained ministers present who can tell you how to live your life. It doesn't happen that way. It happens when we as fellow believers share together what God has given us. When we love one another, care for one another, teach and instruct one another, and learn from one another. That's the body building the body up. Believers equipping believers. Verse 11 says, these are the gifts that Christ gave to the church. And we know from verse 7 that these gifts have been given to everybody. For unto us all, every one of us, grace has been given according to the measure of Christ's gift. These gifts are in the body. They're not just the gifts given to some leaders. So we have all the gifts and you are empty. So you've got to go and get your satisfaction out there in the world. No, we're all called together and we share these gifts together. If you have greater measure, then likely you are a, a leader amongst the church people or what have you. But it's, everyone has them. And these are the gifts, apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers. And the responsibility of those that have these gifts is very clear from verse 12. It says, to equip God's people to do his work and to build up the church, the body of Christ. To equip God's people to do his work. Can you see this has got two aspects to it. First of all, the building up of the body of Christ so the body of Christ can be strong, discipled, and filled with the Spirit in a state of maturity so that from that position of health and strength, we can then do the work of Christ. What is the work of Christ? That's his ministry. The work of Christ is what God does through his body. We are built up as the body of the Lord that we might take our place representing him in the wider world. It's not enough to represent him to one another. That's a wonderful thing. 
When we spend time with one another and we begin to share soul talk with one another, we share Jesus and I see Jesus in you and you see Jesus in me and Jesus is stronger in us than ever before. That's the work of the church, building us ourselves up so that we might then be ready as a body, as a community to go out and represent Jesus in this world. That's what it's all about. Believers equipping believers. So, whatever your gift is, the first place you exercise it is in the church. In other words, you don't just say, well, okay, some people serve God in the church. I'm going to go and serve him in the world. You will serve him in the world, but you will not serve him effectively in the world until you have learned to serve effectively in the church. Very strong statement. Let me say it again. You will not serve God effectively in the world until you've learned to serve him effectively in the church. These gifts are given to the body. Your first, the first expression of your gift is to the person next to you, to your brothers and sisters in Christ. That's where your gift can be discovered. That's where it can be developed. And your character can be honed accordingly. All these gifts operate through relationship. Uh, One way of defining these gifts is how do you relate to situations, places, and things? How you relate to people. That's what defines you. How you relate to people. And if you relate to people apostolically, it's because you're an apostolic leader or have an apostolic gift. If you relate to people evangelistically, it's because you have an evangelistic gift. So we show you how to relate, and you learn how to relate. We practice on one another, and we learn how to grow together to be like Christ, where Jesus is openly confessed. If you cannot live for God in church, family, communion, and fellowship where people acknowledge Jesus, how are you going to stand for him outside where people don't? This is the place where you are learning. The meeting place is the learning place for the marketplace. You are in training for reigning. So never neglect your ministry within the body of Christ. Only as each part, verse 16, end of verse 16 says, only as each part does its special work, it helps the other parts grow so the whole body is healthy and growing full of love. And when that happens, the body is growing and becoming strong. Look at verses 14 to 15. And this is the picture of a church where everybody is serving, everybody is sharing. We are being who we are, first of all, to one another. I'm helping you become more like Jesus. You're helping me become more like Jesus. This happens chiefly in the small groups, in the cell groups, where you can be actually in a position of deeper relationship with somebody, and they can get to know you, you can get to know them, and you stand together in those small groups, growing in your character, growing in your gifting, growing in your holiness, growing in your anointing. Then it says, when this is happening, verse 14, then we will no longer be immature like children. We won't be tossed and blown about by every wind of new teaching. We will not be influenced when people try to trick us with lies so clever that they sound like the truth. Ain't that the truth? Lies are told. They're so clever, they sound like the truth. Only somebody that's strong and mature and discerning say, yeah, it sounds like the truth. Why, why, should, that's, why should we not follow it? You know, marriage should be for everybody. We believe in equality. 
And why, why, why would he withhold marriage just because of somebody's sexual orientation? It sounds so clever, sounds so right, sounds so correct, and yet it's 100% against the Word of God. We need to know how we, we, we don't get tossed about by every wind of doctrine. And, we, and instead of being on the receiving end of, of people telling us lies, so clever like they sound like the truth, we actually give them the truth. We're in a position where we're able to speak the truth in love. And when, when, when we're strong and we're able to say, no, 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 I want to speak the truth in love. Let's just deal with that gay marriage. Okay, I will not accept a secular definition of marriage. I will discuss with any politician, anybody in wider society, as to how we should uh, relate to people who ha- are sexually attracted to members of their own gender. I'll talk about that. I will not judge. I'll talk about that. But I will say that marriage is for man and woman. And I will explain that. And I will explain why and how significant that is. So we'll speak the truth about in love. So that we are not carried away by different Deceptions that are happening in our society. We take the truth from the Word of God, not which is that which is popular on the BBC or ITV. Can I have an amen? amen. All right. So, when we when we are when we are strong in this way, we're in a position where we can actually stand up and speak for Jesus. One of the things I've suspected for a long time is that it's getting tougher and tougher for people to come out as Christians. Now, I know you would probably understand why when I refer to this article. There's an interview in one of the press interview with somebody who is a believer. And they went into the city and went into all these financial institutions and found there were many, many Christians in the banking industry. Uh, not just after 2008, which of course we understand why people suddenly start turning to God when the market collapses, but people are hungry for God. And the older, more established Christians, we can name some of them, their household names, who have nothing, as it were, they've already cut their pace and they are, they're respected, uh, they, they talk about God publicly, that's fine. But the younger people who are just coming up in this, in this industry find it very difficult to talk about their faith. Here's one lady and uh, she's being interviewed. She's totally anonymous because she didn't want her name to be put out into the public. She said, it's often harder for young people to come out as Christians than it would be for them to come out as gay. So it's easier to come out as being gay today than to come out as being a Christian. Very interesting. This is somebody on the inside of industry, financial business, able to talking like that. Is that what you feel in your place of work? I'm not saying you don't come out as a Christian, but, you know, it's getting harder. So people stay in the closet. And then it says, one of the things is that people think your judgment is impaired. Say, I'm a Christian. Your, your judgment must be off then. You must be off. Uh, okay, you, you're a Christian. or there you must, you must be loyal to something other than the firm. And today, increasingly, secular employers and indeed secular governments are demanding absolute loyalty. You've got to bow the knee to the stuff that, of today. You've got to bow the knee to social orthodoxy. And now it's getting tougher and tougher. So we've got to say to people, listen, listen. Be strong. Come out for Christ. Let people know who you are. But, but one of the reasons we don't do it is because we become targets. And we find that it's difficult. So don't be scared. Now don't be crazy about it. Going to, going to work tomorrow with a sandwich board, the end is nigh, and on the back saying, go to hell, or whatever. 
And we've got to be very, very careful how, how we communicate. I remember as a very young Christian, just outside the church here, I was fully, all enthusiastic, and we had a mission and stopping people passing by. And I stopped this man and his wife, and he said, No, get away from me, you dreadful little boy. So I, I was immediately felt love towards him, as you know how, how loving I am. And um, uh, I want to love him the Tyson way. <laughs> I'll pray for you. Uh, I'll pray for you, you'll recover. Anyway, he had a walking stick. And he, he stopped me and he said, oh, are, are people like you going to be in heaven? I said, well, yeah. He said, oh, how dreadful. I'd rather go to the other place. <laughs> and as he turned his back to dismiss me and walk off, I said, that, sir, very probably is where you are going. <laughs> there was a repartee. And God rebuked me immediately because the man took a stick and hit me hard with it. <laughs> <laughs> Be careful. Don't try that at home, folks. So, yeah, we take our place. Pray for high-profile people. And be there for them and train one another. The, the gospel is the word of the kingdom. And when people receive the gospel, it's not just church that's manifested, but kingdom. The church is training the next prime minister. Or should be. The church is training the next captains of industry. I'd love for people to say, do you know what? In 5, 10, 15 years time, and when you come into your kingdom, remember me? Tithe to the man. Can you imagine? 15, 10, 15 years, this guy comes and says, you come back to Kensington Temple, I want to write a check of a million pounds. Why? Because my last deal brought 10 million have you heard of double tithing? <laughs> but more than just that, say, I want to thank you, Kensington Temple, because I was born again in Kensington Temple. In Kensington Temple, I received the seed of the kingdom. In Kensington Temple, I learned to dream big dreams for God. In Kensington Temple, I learned that service is what it's all about. Who wants to be great in the kingdom of God, be servant of all. And I went out with this servant-heartedness and I exercised my gift in the marketplace and I found I had a gift of creative innovation and I brought innovation and with innovation in my company and in my sector, I have prospered and God has blessed me. Amen. Amen. That's what it's all about. Not, not just the making the money bit. That's not what it's about. In fact, making money... Is, is, is the least satisfying thing of all if you're in the kingdom because you're not serving mammon, you're serving God. Making money is an important thing and that's good, but beyond that, it's serving the needs of people. And I believe this world has not yet seen a spirit-filled community that rises up with one voice to go out there as one who serves. If you want a tip to prosper and to advance in your place of calling, wherever it is, here it is. Learn to serve. Build your business around serving people, which means not just giving them good customer care and good customer service, not just uh, being polite and welcoming, but genuinely caring for those who are, you're, you're reaching with your, with your business, with your product. If you are a school teacher, have at the bottom of your heart and knowing that God has called you and when you, when, you, when you teach, you are giving your gift, you're exercising your gift and you are serving those young people. 
That gift of service, it just opens the door to people's hearts, to the kingdom of God. And as you exercise your gift in a spirit of servanthood, something happens. So it's not just the church. It's out there in the wider world. Because the church, well, Christianity is for the whole of life. It's not just for church services. You are a Christian 24-7. And you represent Jesus, especially when you step outside the walls of a church or outside of a church meeting. That's why you should be starting cells in your, work of pla- in your place of work, in your college, right out there, so people can get to know that Jesus is relevant for the whole of life. And the key for this is understanding the kingdom. As I preach this, we all recall within not more than 24 hours the dreadful ISIS attacks in France, in Paris. Where at the time of speaking, 129 were dead, 99 still critically injured. Now, what is that all about? What is that all about? And one of the reasons why Christianity seems weak alongside Islam, which seems strong, and it's not, of course, is that Islam has a vision for all of life. Because their kingdom is of this world. So in other words, if you go to your school, school governors here in London, it'll be dominated by Muslims. They know how to get in there. Because they want to change things. They want to bring their kingdom, their caliphate. That's what ISIS is all about. The Islamic State. And it's faithful to radical Islam. All right? Now then, I say, well, they outshine us in their involvement. They are there in the places of politics, in the places of influence. Christians are too busy at, you know, complaining or whatever they do. We're lazy. And that is because we don't have a vision for the whole of life because our kingdom is not of this world. All right? Now, what we have to do is correct that. Let me me just finish because there's more to be said. There's more to be said. When Jesus was before Pontius Pilate, Jesus said, my kingdom is not of this world, else my servants would fight. Aren't you glad that we belong to a kingdom that doesn't come with violence? Aren't you glad that we don't send bombs or bullets or suicide bombers to bring about our kingdom? Our kingdom is from God. It's not what we build up from below. That's the difference. And because our kingdom comes from God, every kingdom, including Islamic State, will be swallowed up in the kingdom of God, and Jesus shall be Lord of all. Amen and amen. The weapons of our warfare are not carnal. They are spiritual weapons. Amen and amen. But we still have a vision for the whole of life. And Jesus himself told us this. He said, here is the vision for the whole of life. Go out into the world and be in the world, but not of the world. He says, be salt and light. I want to scatter you like salt so that you can savor the whole of the planet for me and testify of the coming of the kingdom of God. So we have a vision for the whole of life. And even more than that, in recent decades, in fact, in all the decades that I've been a Christian, I've had to fight this Thinking, Christian thinking. I don't know how relevant it is today. I don't know if you still struggle with it, but I was brought into this kind of idea 
The world is going to get worse and worse. We need to continue to withdraw from the world and the world is going to go to hell and we're going to go to God and be with Jesus in heaven forever. The Antichrist is taking over. No problem. Just let him and let him have it. We're getting the heaven out of here. No, don't amen that. Because that's only part of the truth. Going to heaven, that's good to amen. But leaving this earth to rot, that's not God's plan. Jesus says, my kingdom is going to come and it's going to affect the whole of the earth. And in fact, the day is coming when Christ returns that the heavens are going to be changed. Or the, let me just quote it properly. It says that all the elements will, will melt and God will create new heavens and a new earth, which is the home of righteousness. New heavens and a new earth. At the moment, earth and heaven are separated. And in the future kingdom of God, heaven will come down to earth. And earth will go up to heaven. You know, it'll be, it'll be, we will be together. God's dwelling place will be with men. And what that tells me, if that new kingdom, the final kingdom, is the home of righteousness, everything you build in the spirit of righteousness will, will endure, will last. <laughs> Whatever you do for God here on this earth isn't going to be burnt up and destroyed. It might be wonderfully transformed and taken to a higher level, but what you do on this earth matters. How you live your life at work matters. What you build matters. Your relationships matter. Your profession matters. Your career matters. It's God's way of bringing his kingdom and building something. So you don't build the kingdom. The kingdom is what you can build for the kingdom. You can build for the kingdom. And that's what God wants you to do. My kingdom is not of this world, but you are salt and light sent into this world. And we, the only way that we can show an alternative vision to anything that is imposed by humanism, and I would even say Islam is a form of humanism, it's just human ideas, there's not one ounce of revelation in it. The Bible is God's book of revelation. And that is for us to see God. I want to be that great apostolic initiator that innovator, that pioneer, that reformer. God, I want to be that prophetic visionary, not just in church life, but out there, speaking of the values and principles, calling our society, calling my business, calling my company, calling my profession back to ethical standards. I want to be the great evangelist communicator that alongside the gift of the gab for me selling encyclopedias at the door, which you don't do anymore, but I'm thinking of RT, God bless him. When we do that, we are also ready to communicate for Christ through the great pastor, the carer, the person who is the enabler, the relational facilitator, the equipper in your, in your company, in your place of work, in your home, to be the teacher, the instructor, the trainer, the model, showing how it all works, bringing conceptual understanding to your whole area and practical demonstration. This means shows how being formed in the meeting place, you learn to function in the marketplace. Hallelujah. How does it happen? First, you've got to lose your life in order to gain it. You can't live for yourself and get here. You can live for yourself and be very, very prominent and famous, but you will never be satisfied until you find out who you are in Christ. You die to, you, to yourself in, in pursuit of God. You make him the number one thing in your life, to know him. That's my purpose for living. But also, secondly, to make him known. You follow his plan for your life. You are caught up into his story. You have a part to play in his story because God is building something and you are part of it. We are part of a kingdom that cannot be shaken.
So 1 Peter chapter 4 says this, and we finish with this. Verses 10 and 11. God has given each of you a gift from his great variety of spiritual gifts. 1 Peter 4 verses 10 and 11. Use them well to serve one another. Do you have the gift of speaking? Then speak as though God himself is speaking through you. Do you have the gift of helping others? Do it with all the strength and energy that God supplies. Then everything you do, everything you do, will bring glory to God through Jesus Christ. All glory and power to him forever and ever. Amen and amen. Give Jesus a massive big praise. I will rejoice, oh yes, I 
Joy arise, let joy arise. 